Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their travel trailer, which they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. I'm coming to the conclusion that all the donkey people are characters. I don't know if they start out that way, or if the interesting people are drawn to the donkey universe, or if you start to raise donkeys and walk down the path eclectic. But it seems to be a recurring pattern. You might remember some of the donkey people we've had in our podcast in the past. Bob Doxy from Lazy BD Donkey Farm in Missoula, Montana, and Highlander, his mammoth Jack. I can't figure out which of those two had a kookier sense of humor, especially since the first thing Bob said to me as we got out of the car was, come on back and let me show you my ass. Then there was the trip to the Donkey Welfare Symposium up in Davis, California a few years ago. We posted the pictures of the pink donkey tattoos, the donkey farrier that sang Patsy Cline hits and managed to pull off a really cute 40s upswept do with aplomb, and the donkey groupies hanging around the very suave international professors that had come to lecture. No, I'm not kidding. There are donkey groupies. It's a thing. And then there's the fact that they called it a wild-ass weekend, which was not too much of a stretch, let me tell you. I definitely want to go back to that one when things open up again. Then there was Mule Days in Bishop, California. For those of you who have just joined us on our agriculture adventures, Mule Days is an annual event held in Bishop, California. Bishop is a town on the eastern side of the Sierras, just outside Death Valley and about 200 miles south of Reno. I won't go over the history of that whole idea. You'll have to listen to our previous podcast for that. But yes, the whole area is known to many as the birthplace of 20 mule team borax. The borax had to get from the mines in the desert area to where people did laundry, so the name does have a factual basis, believe it or not. And yes, it's actually 20 mules hooked up to that big hauling wagon. They had one in their parade, so you could see what it was like back in the day. Except that when we were there, it was May instead of high summer. It was just outside Death Valley instead of right in the center of it. And the parade was held on a paved flat road that goes through the center of town. That said, I still bake like a potato chip just looking at them. Bishop may be right next to the Sierras, but it is toasty in the summer. But the great thing was that Bishop's Mule Days was full of character and characters. Lots of people dressed up in either traditional Western attire or in crazy outfits for the parade. And when I say crazy outfits, I mean it was like Comic-Con met the National Western with a side of University Home Week tossed in. Hobbits, rainbow unicorns, breast cancer pink head-to-toe, state law enforcement, marching bands, chariot races, minor 49ers, little racing carts, riding donkeys, pulling donkeys, baby donkeys, white, gray, black, brown, and multicolored donkeys. As you might imagine, big, old, gorgeous, fuzzy ears everywhere. You watch them go by every two seconds and say to yourself, would you get a look at the size of those things? Seriously, though, I say donkeys, but in reality, the majority of them at this event are not. It truly is the mule that everyone is celebrating. Think about that one for a minute. 
we're not celebrating the equine species that carries its genetics forward as a horse, or the species that carries forward its genetics as a donkey. We are celebrating the thing that will not be procreating at all. The mule is usually sterile. So, unless it's one of those truly bizarre mutations that occurs every once in a while in this particular world, this gorgeous beast is a dead end from a propagation standpoint. Its get will never continue after its lifespan. Every one of the animals we're looking at is created for a purpose. And unless something magical happens, that one or two item thing is all it will ever contribute to their line. We've been training ourselves for thousands of years to think that that is a limiting way to live. I hope that does give you some food for thought, because for every single organism, species continuation is a pretty basic thing. Some might argue that it's the only thing, from an evolutionary standpoint anyway. What is one's value to a group if it doesn't ever propagate? Here is where I can speak from a standpoint of one of those creatures and speak with reasonable assurance. I am one of those people on this planet who will not procreate. And it's not because my genetic line doesn't have some great characteristics in it that are worth saving or because I don't know my history. But I made the decision in my late teens that popping out new organisms would not be a part of my purpose and I'm okay with that. So, in some ways, I am the ass. Okay, should I wait a minute while you get that one out of your system? Okay, thank you. But I feel a little kinship to this animal in this regard, I must admit. What I do while I'm here is it. Nothing else after this ballgame. So I better make it good, and that's for sure. And I better celebrate the glories of life while I can. I've always thought that mules were interesting-looking beasts. But up until the last five years or so, I've always mostly associated them with draft work, either as a pack or a plow animal. Sometimes I would think of them as loaded with gear and pulled behind a horse and rider, or hitched to the plow. I'm often ignorant, I will admit, and Mule Days was a place where that mental image of mules really expanded. They are the riding animal of choice for a good number of people, most of whom were at this event. They're said to be smarter than their riders at times, which is something that many of the mule people were proud to say. Mules come in as many shapes and sizes as you can imagine. If you cross a draft horse with a donkey, you'll often get a beefy mule with a big head and lots of mass and tons of horsepower, so to speak. If you cross a more traditional riding horse, like a quarter horse, you might get a more athletic mule with some cow skills. Cross with an Arabian, you might get a great endurance animal. And they come in gates, too. One of the prettiest animals I've ever seen was a Tennessee walker crossed with a mammoth jack. It was big, but not massive. Sleek, with a refined head and those gorgeous mule ears. I couldn't stop staring at this glorious beast. This gene combo thing means that there don't seem to be many restrictions in what's out there in the mule universe. Variety is the key word here. Shapes, sizes, strengths, colors, speed, sky's the limit as to purpose and preference. It's kind of like Play-Doh for the equine people in the breeder barn. Well, all of this brings me right back to Mule Days. This month, the Mule Days celebration is once again hitting the streets of Bishop, and there are people painting their faces and their animals in preparation as we speak. Packers are practicing for the competitions, 
Teamsters and riders are polishing harnesses and saddles, and thousands of people in the donkey and mule world will soon converge upon the usually quiet little town that sits right next to the lowest place, the hottest place, and the oldest tree place on Earth. Yes, there is all of that fascinating stuff over there, but that's for another day and another podcast. Today's podcast guest is one we met at Mule Days at the 50th anniversary celebration in 2019. No 2020 event last year, for obvious reasons. This gentleman's name is Bill Garrett, and he owns a family business called Garrett Mammoth Jackstock, located in Stillwell, Oklahoma. He came all the way out to Bishop just to talk to us. Okay, maybe not, but it sure sounded good, didn't it? Bill Garrett is obviously a stereotypical donkey guy, just like Bob Doxy was. In other words, nothing typical about them in any way, shape, or form. They are people that have character dripping off of them, with a little bit of a headstrong nature, a little bit of opinionated thinking, and a great big hunk of an appreciation for the animals to which they have dedicated their lives. We hope you enjoy our conversation with a man who has done this for so long he can rattle off names of the biggies in his industry, and he probably knew and sold donkeys to many of them. I'd like to think we can all learn something from the mule. It's an animal that's known to be the best combination of both of its parents. In fact, it is said to oftentimes surpass them in a great example of hybrid vigor. Here's a quote attributed to Charles Darwin. The mule always appears to me a most surprising animal. That a hybrid should possess more reason, memory, obstinacy, social affection, powers of muscular endurance, and length of life than either of its parents seems to indicate that art has here outdone nature. And I'd love to think we can also learn something from the people who adore this animal. Life is here to celebrate in all its weird shapes and sizes, hobbits and unicorns, chariot races and big ears and all. Whether or not anything comes after you, finding a way to contribute with purpose and doing it with joy and exuberance is immensely satisfying. For some of us, that's all there is for our purpose in life. And for some of us, that purpose is not only enough, it's enough to make our cup runneth over. Okay, so there was an ass or two in the Bible, and I was raised in a church setting, so I had to make the oldest reference I possibly could fit in for this week's topic. Older than Darwin, even. Because I don't want to be the only ass in the intro today. I mean, come on. Okay, so if you could just tell us, uh, introduce yourself and tell us about your farm. Well, I'm Bill Garrett, live in Stillwell, Oklahoma, and we've got a 450-acre place there, and we keep about 100 head of mammoth donkeys all the time. 100 head? Yes, ma'am. Now, that's quite a few donkeys, if I'm not mistaken, because donkeys used to be used for, uh, for crossing, for uh, mostly to make mules, correct? I mean, that was one of we the big that. purposes. We do that. We sell them for that purpose, a you lot do. of them. Okay, so who do you sell them to? How do you make this animal uh, pay its way? Well, we've got a website, and uh, people look on there. And we've been doing this for 51 years, and uh, we've are, you know, got a lot of customers across the country, and people like the big, stout, big-bone mammoth donkeys, and uh, they know where to come look for them. And so 
We put each of our colts on the website when it's three or four days old. And uh, most of the time we sell the ones that we raise and breed by the time they're six months old. So that actually surprises me that they want the big ones because I would think that when they were draft animals, they would want that a lot. But, but they want the big ones for riding too now? Well, the big ones for riding, they all don't get 15 hands. And the ones that don't, or end up being riding donkeys, and uh, but but yeah, they they want the Amish and the people that breed to the draft horses want the big donkeys. Yeah, we were down in Amish country, and they wanted the Belgian cross right. with the really massive head that right. can pull all day. I'm right. sure. And that's we sell a lot of those jacks, and then the other people want them for you know to raise riding mules, and and then uh, if we they don't suit us for what breeding purposes and we geld them and break them to ride and you know it's, it's been an interesting thing. So you you're here at Bishop for Mule Days. Yes. Do you come every year? Uh, we've been here like 27 or 28 years in a row. Wow. Well a lot of history of pack mules in this area. There is. I don't know much about packing but I know what they're looking for to breed their you know, to raise them, so we sell a lot of lot of jags. So tell me a little bit, you, we were talking earlier about the history of this animal and why they're not as common as they used to be 200 years ago. Tell me, tell me your experience with that. Well, a lot of the old guys are quitting. And I'm, look who's calling people an old guy, I'll make a joke about that, but uh, they've, they've quit. They've died off, they're not able to do it anymore. And I thank God every day that I'm still healthy and love to do it. I wake up ready to go to the barn at five o'clock every morning and you know we're good. But they're the kids of these guys, you know, they've moved off to town and and talked to one young man in Shelbyville, Tennessee last summer and I asked him about his dad who has passed away. He was a legend in that country. And he said that Nashville had moved out close to them and the land was worth 25, 30,000 an acre. And they can't make that much money raising donkeys. So the, his two sons had moved away to uh, get a regular job. And that was the end of it. And uh, uh, his name was Billy Trice. And he was literally a legend in this business. But there's, as the guys get older, they sell out and quit, and the kids maybe don't want to work that hard, or, or you know, they've moved away, or they've gotten married and left that part of the country, and the breeders are just dwindling away. There's some really famous breeders. Randy Bess in Missouri is a good friend of mine, and excellent breeder, but he's, he's quit now. Joe Thomas lives in Tennessee, he's quit. I could go on and on and on naming them, but it's sad that they're they're quitting and nobody's taking it up. Well, it's not an easy life, is it? Agriculture. Oh, well, maybe not an easy life, but uh, you know, I've never been a very good employee. I don't want to punch nobody's clock, and uh, so I like to do. You know, I like to be my own boss, and it's allowed me to do that. I hear the mules are a little like that too, is that right? Well, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, you know, people don't realize the intelligence of a donkey. They think they're stubborn, but really half the time, 
most of the time they're smarter than the people trying to train them and that includes me after 50 years they teach me something every day now, it's I've, amazing i've heard the uh, the phrase you tell a horse what to do and you ask a mule you would you find that to be true yes so yes. tell me about the personality of donkeys and mules well you're probably not going to make a donkey do anything you've got to get them to and they're just like pickup trucks they've all got a different set of keys you've got to find what they're willing to accept and what they're willing to do and and uh, a mule's more like a horse but uh, you know you, you if you ask them you know sometimes you can insist sometimes you have to figure out you know what they want to do and how to get them to do it and, and uh, they're not hard to train it just takes a lot of time and, and you know we enjoy it yeah. So now we, we've got, uh, tell me about this animal here, if you would. She is uh, my daughter's new uh, show animal. She's only three. She's right at 15 hands. We've had her mother and her dad or about five generations back. And uh, she chose her. She sold her uh, show donkey and uh, for a lot of money, more money than she should have gotten out of it. but. But uh, she picked this one, and uh, I got the big hug and everything, and I knew it was going to cost me, and this is what it cost me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she got a chance to sell that saddle donkey that she had won this donkey pleasure class here three years in a row with. And uh, she's going to nursing school this fall, hopefully. It's time to sell. And so she did. And, but I wasn't planning on her coming back and fleecing me for the best two-year-old I had, but she did, and that's fine, too. So now you raise just donkeys. You don't raise the mules themselves? Do you just no, use them? we just do the. Somebody's got to raise the starter kit. Yes. If there's no jacks, there's no mules. Yes, and that's one of the things that I find to be interesting about the whole economy around the mules and the donkeys is because you really do have to feed quite a few uh, donkeys in order to be able to have just anything to breed to a mule. That's an expensive proposition sometimes. It is. It is. It's expensive, but you know, a donkey or a mule is not something people have to have. Well, this is a very interesting crowd, too. This is definitely um, I mean, it's mule days, so it's right. a mule crowd, but you know, it's not this specific thing where you're just packers. I mean, there's equestrian events here, equestrian events, mm -hmm. and they're they're, they're racing and they're doing a whole group of... A mule of can do anything a horse can do. And do you find the same thing true of donkeys? Uh, they will, but they're they're not... I tell people all the time, if, if you want to race and you want to rope calves and that kind of thing, a donkey's the wrong animal. They're, they're not going to give you that. But if you want to ride and enjoy and relax and, you know, go up there and look around and, and in those mountains and and just, you know, they're a lot more relaxed and laid back. And a lot of people are, you know, a lot of young people are riding them and training them. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you had a donkey that would lope all the way around that big arena, you could win any class in the country. <laughs> but we're breeding them better with more endurance and, and more want to and learning more about how to train them. And now, Every donkey out there will lope 
Interesting. So now this is a very different look than the first mammoth jack we met. I was telling you about Bob Doxey in Missoula. This is a different coloration. This is 100% mammoth jack? Yeah. So they come in, which, what colors do they come in? Any color right down through there. There's, there's, you know, this color, there's black, there's uh, beige, there's browns, there's paints, there's all colors. It's a really beautiful animal. Thank you. Yeah, gorgeous. Now, this is interesting to me that they use this to breed with draft horses, the bigger bones, because this is not a massive animal. And yet, this is the one that they often use to get a bigger draft horse. Is that correct? I mean, well, bigger draft mule. Is that correct? Well, her daddy was is 15'3". Yeah, that's not small. 15 hands it, well, and 3 inches? Well, to me... It's just a huge amount. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but then he, you know, got a lot of bone and stuff, and... And, uh, you know, everybody likes something different. Yeah. That's why we got a hundred head. It aggravates me if somebody comes and they want something and I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think this differs from George Washington's vision or his, his because he was, he was involved in breeding the mammoth jack right. originally. How do you think this compares to the animal that he had during his time? Well, I have no idea. Can you I, guess? You know, I could guess, I suppose, but, uh, but they wanted the big ones back then, and then it kind of came down to the little pencil-legged donkeys, and and uh, we're going back to the, at least our herd is going back to the bigger, bigger bone, stouter. Uh, I don't like for, I don't like for mule colts out of my jacks to get up in those mountains and break down because they don't have enough leg under them and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, but everybody doesn't feel that way. I do. And that's my deal, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people agree with me, a lot of people don't, and that's that's fine. That's why we have all the different strains of every breed we have, I that's think. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's a beautiful animal. That was wonderful. All right. Well, Fantastic. thank you very much. Thank you so much. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please ask your friends to join us. Please also feel free to post any comments or questions to our social media sites. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Backyard Green Films. Thanks again for listening. We would like to thank Bill Garrett from Garrett Mammoth Jackstock for speaking with us today. If you'd like more information about Bill Garrett and Bishop Mule Days, please visit GarrettJackstock.com and MuleDays.org Also, make sure you check the post office this month for the new release of Heritage Breed Stamps. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week with another adventure. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, all rights reserved, copyright 2021.